0: Show That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm waiting for you to justify your stupid opinion. Bradfoe Show. That's delicious. I hope everyone's having a great boom sauce of a day. Boom sauce to you all. Let me just tell you, it's been a great week. The return of the Bradfoe Show after opting out of the regular season, the baseball regular season. We had Pat Light. We had John Gibbons. We had... Daniel Bard, and we're finishing things off with Dayton Moore, general manager of the Kansas City Royals. He's been the general manager since 2006. He was almost the general manager of the Red Sox, actually, just before that he was in the mix when Theo took his hiatus. He has helped or really guided the Royals to an American League championship in 2014, won the World Series in 2015, comes from Atlanta Braves where they just dominated when it came to making trades. And obviously, Dayton has built up a great thing in Kansas City um, under, uh, with vid- limited resources along the way. Um, One of the smartest guys I know in baseball and one of the best conversations you can have when it comes to a lot of different things. And that's exactly what we did in this podcast. We talked a lot about what it's like to make trades, what you should prioritize in making trades. What it's like uh, to deal with High and Bloom, Red Sox general. I'm sorry, Chief Baseball Officer. I'm I'm, my apologies to the Boston Red Sox organization, Um, and and also a big part of what Dayton said. In this hiatus, this pandemic hiatus, which I thought was one of the more powerful things where he really made it clear how important it was for baseball not to get rid of minor league jobs, not to get rid of coaches and franchises and players and opportunities. There probably wasn't a more powerful um, interview or quote than there was from Dayton Moore when it came to this subject, and he, on this podcast exudes the exact same amount of passion and really gives the same level of quote. You're going to want to listen to this. It's a good one. It's a good podcast. It's always good to talk to Dayton. Uh, So, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us throughout the week. Keep subscribing. Keep joining us. Keep contributing. Keep... Uh, following, keep doing whatever you can. We're gonna try on this end, and uh, I think that we got some great things ahead. We got a lot of momentum off of this week, so thanks again, to everybody. Enjoy this podcast with Dayton Moore. Dayton, I think the first time we sort of met each other was you were working for the Braves, and um, one of the things that struck me, and I always been thinking, I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of trades and remembering that time about how great. You guys were making at making trades, and you've been very, very good at making trades. Obviously with the Royals as well. Is there anything you remember from your time with the Braves that is sort of like the foundation when you're when you're going to look to make a trade? Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a great question, Rob. And um, yeah, I think the most important thing is to have a, a very strong and uh, a strong feeling, a secure feeling uh, with the evaluation of your own players, your own talent, um, what your roster projects uh, in the next three to four years. But you've got to have a really good sense uh, of the evaluation process of your current players. And that really puts you in a, in a position uh, to acquire uh the talent that that um, in a trade or what have you the other thing that i think is is really really important in that is you can't be so consumed with what you're giving up you need to focus on the player that you're acquiring or potentially acquiring and how this player uh is going to affect uh, your current 25 or 26 man roster Uh, and uh, how they're going to blend in in that clubhouse and and make your team better. And I think oftentimes uh, trades don't materialize because people are focused on what they're giving up. Focus on what you're getting uh, in return and how this particular player is going to to help you get to where you ultimately want to be. And that's, uh, you know, win a world championship.
0: It's interesting. You know, I was talking with someone yesterday about this season, and maybe – Besides the team that wins the World Series, maybe the team that comes out of this season feeling the best about themselves is a team that has been able to evaluate who they have, what they have, more than anybody else um, through this, these alternate sites, through these taxi squads through a a very unusual sort of set of circumstances. I don't know how you feel coming out of these couple months. Um, I, I can only speak to, like, from our perspective from the Red Sox. I know that they had some guys that they really felt, you know, younger guys that felt did pretty well against fringe major leaguers and major league fringe major leaguers who maybe separated themselves. Do you feel like coming out of this season that you have a good grasp on what you have, more or less than when you went into it?
1: I would say less just because um, you, know, you just didn't get a chance to, to watch you know all your players compete uh, over the course of an entire season, outside competition, uh, the toughness that's required mentally and physically to get through a minor league season, an entire major league season. Um, we certainly are hopeful. We, we feel uh, good about our current evaluations, but they're incomplete, Rob. I mean, they just are. Uh, it's not what we're accustomed to. I do believe that the data and all the technology that we have today uh, helps us in that process. Probably a better uh, is more important to, to this process than any other time maybe in the history of the game. Uh, certainly, with the uh, the onset of the the technology, I think that kind of validates judgment and puts us in more of a, a comfort level and allows us to compare it to to past measurements and data. Uh, but they're, again, they're incomplete. And baseball is so much, as we all know, about commitment and uh, uh, a relentless focus on the day-to-day competition. Uh, the entire season, and we just simply had, did not have that opportunity. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we, we, we're, we're better than we would if we wouldn't have played. Mm. Um, but at the same sense, uh, I think it's incomplete.
0: The flip side of that, of course, is trying to identify guys who are in other organizations, um, which, you know, I'm sure you're trying to do now and, and looking in terms of trades or free agency or whatever it is. Um, how do you now that you're sort of digging in on that how difficult is that because i would imagine this along the same lines right it's just it's, it's a very incomplete picture a guy can have a really really good month but in a normal season a really really good month doesn't mean a whole lot when you're trying to get the big picture of things
1: No, i think that's 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 right. I mean, you're 100% right on that. I mean, not only, you know, with your own players, but it's the evaluation of the other 29 organizations. Uh, And again, it goes back to, you know, what I said earlier about having um, a very secure feeling in the evaluations of your own players. And uh, I think the fact that we didn't have an entire season to do that, maybe teams are less willing to to move a player because uh, they just don't know, um you know how this player is going to perform in the future nobody wants to get burnt right nobody wants to give up on a player nobody wants to see uh, a player succeeding um with somebody else when they could have had that same type of success with you right and Mm. that doesn't mean that and don't confuse that i mean when you do a deal you want the player that you trade to do very well for Uh, the team that he gets traded to. And that is ultimately, I think, how you evaluate success in this game from this chair is you traded a player that was helpful to another organization. You looked out for that player. That player received either a greater opportunity or uh, uh, a chance to to be better than he was, but also you, you received a player or players that helped you as well. So you want deals to work out for both organizations.
0: Have you seen, let's say compared to when you first joined the Royals, have you seen teams devalue what players have done in the past? I don't want to say devalue because it's not like obviously you're going to value a big portion of it, but teams maybe value what they think the players are going to do because you have analytics. Because, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, so I know that when the Dodgers were trying to sign Joe Kelly, They were the only team that offered them three years. And they said, you know, we think that you are good. We saw what you you did and we think you can get better because of our analytics are showing this or that, and it seems to be more and more of you might not necessarily have produced, but we think if we tweak this and tweak that because we've seen the numbers and we've seen the analytics that you're going to be worth us signing. Have you seen that change happen over the last couple of years more than ever?
1: Well, I think we're, again, I think we're more secure in making those judgments because of the data, because of the information, because of the, the communication skills of many of the people that are presenting the information to the player, the openness of the player to accept information and, um, and, and constructive criticism and a desire to get better for a lot of reasons. And so I, I think, it again, it, it gives you uh, a lot more security uh, as an evaluator, as a decision maker, when you have uh, the type of data that leads you to form an opinion of what a player is ultimately going to be able to do. now, that being said, the player is the one that has to make the adjustment. The mm-hmm. player has to be open to to all of that. They have to be willing to to um, trust uh, the process and realize that you know they may not. Uh, Reap the the rewards immediately, but the long term and lasting effects are going to be really important for the career of the player of the team. I mean, I think of you know when Andrew Jones, the year he hit 50 plus home runs, um, you know he he committed to a work ethic in the off season that was different than he had had, had done in the past. Uh, he was really spread out in his stance uh, to start the season. Not a lot of load with his front side, just a, a more spread out, just kind of a an inward rotation load, if you will. And uh, I want to say the first month he might have hit two home runs. Well, he stuck with the process, mm. and he went on to hit fifty plus that year. He easily could have abandoned that. And so, why did he stick with the process? One, he put in all the work in the offseason. He trusted his coaches. He trusted the work that he put into it, and he wasn't going to abandon that process, even though the results weren't immediate. And he stayed with it, and he was rewarded. And I think the technology, truthfully, mm. helps us um, communicate, um, get our point across better, uh, because the data is showing us, you know, certain things, and it's it's reminding the player to stick with it, so they can actually, you know, see the data. They can uh, begin to understand. And let's face it. I mean, the group of players that's coming up right now. There's a couple things that I think is really interesting with them and watching them all at the amateur level and, and, and go through the, the ranks, if you will. I mean, so we've got a group of players that mentally are are more ready. To participate uh, in the major leagues today's young players than ever before because they face the best competition their peer group has to offer almost every level because of all the, the showcase, the travel ball. They're very aware of all the technology, etc. cetera. And then the other part of the player today is they're very, very smart. They understand how their swing works. I mean, a lot of these players today, if you ask them to stand up, and give a clinic on pitching, or hitting, or catching, or what have you, um, they're able to articulate that. And so, when you can, uh, just because you can say it, and, and I remember doing camps with uh, the Doyle brothers many years ago when I was a college coach, and the Doyles always had a saying. They would say, just because you can say it doesn't mean you can play it. Okay, But if you do learn to say it, it might be able to help you play it. Okay. And so it's just kind of a catchy rhyme that they, that they had. Mm. so, you know, just because you can play it doesn't mean you can say it, but if you can learn to say it, it might help you play it. And so that's, that's what they would say. And, um, that I think speaks to a lot of the players today. They are really, really, uh, have a really good understanding of the game, the mechanics, approaches and because they have that understanding it just gives them more confidence to go out there and to apply it in the game situation
0: to to stay on uh, on the track of, of trades and evaluating trades you know to localize a little bit for here um, we obviously as we sit here we've seen the raise they've they've had a lot of success obviously uh, Heim bloom is part of that success from previous years and we're sitting here from Red Sox point of view, still trying to figure out how Heim's going to approach this, how he did it in Tampa, how that's going to translate it, translate to here. Um, from your experiences with Haim, uh, what, what are some of the takeaways in terms of how he does things, how he, uh, he might um, look at things a different way? What's just some, some, some takeaways from Haim?
1: Well, it begins and ends with he's a good person. I mean, that that's, you know, my, my uh, first interaction with him was uh, he's got an inviting personality. Uh, he's a straight shooter. He cares about people. I mean, that was my first interaction with him. And so to me, that's a very important part of leadership. And so if you have those type of characteristics, people uh, tend to trust you. And, and, and give you more grace uh, along this 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 line where you're making a lot of decisions and sometimes uh, decisions don't work out but if they trust you and believe in you and and and, and think highly of you um, they're willing to you know, be more accepting of your mistakes so I think he has a lot of that and obviously he's been raised well in the game and um, he has an understanding of the importance of building your organization from the ground up, strong scouting, strong player development. Your farm system is crucial, raising and developing your own talent that understand your fan base, the history of your organization. Um, he, he has a feel for all of that and, uh, he's got deep respect for the game and the people in it. And so that's what I think is, is really, really important to understand. Uh, you know, about Haim and uh, his leadership style. And so, you know, from a distance, uh, you know, I've always been impressed with how he's, you know, handled himself and managed people.
0: When you look at what the Rays are doing, whether, you know, it was with Haim there or now, what's your takeaway? I mean, this is one of the, obviously, in every professional league, we say it's a copycat league. And I think there's some semblance of truth to that. But, you know, what's your takeaway watching the Rays this year?
1: Well, they believe in themselves. They have a terrific manager in Kevin Cash. They have a great culture. Um, You know, Eric, uh, I think, sets the right tone. He's a humble guy, and um, it's it's just uh, they they understand that all their success is tied together. They don't have a lot of, you know, stars, if you will, but they have a team. And, you know, John Wooden said it best, I think. He said, I'd rather have uh, a player who makes a team great than a great player. And they have a lot of guys like that. And I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's obviously very refreshing. It's, it's great to see. But, you know, I think Kevin Cash, I was talking to John Sherman, our new owner today, and we were talking about the Rays. And, and, uh, I think Kevin Cash has, has done an unbelievable job of just kind of being that steady presence, that energy giver. He works extremely hard. When you watch him in pregame, um, I mean, he's the hardest-working coach on the field. Hmm. He's the manager of the team. And I think that, that that's huge, and it means a lot and uh, to the culture. And so I think they've done a lot of things well. Um, you know, they're not afraid to, to make transactions. Um, they've obviously invested heavily on evaluation and development, pitching. And look, if you ever want to tilt the field in your favor, you got to do it in the middle of the night. It's got to be done on that bump, especially if you're a small market. And they are proving the importance of of strong pitching, and, and that's how you again you tilt the field in your favor.
0: Finally, and this is probably the most important thing because I, I you know, I texted you at the time that it, it what you said earlier. Um, during the hiatus about the importance of of keeping uh, as many people in the game as possible and, and not devaluing minor leagues and not devaluing the opportunities for guys who aren't getting drafted. Obviously, we had a perfect example of that just the other night, Mike Brousseau of Tampa guy who wasn't drafted and, and let's be honest. And if the system is going to go down this road, like that isn't going to have the opportunity that, uh, that he had the other night. But I want to say it again. It was the most powerful and well-spoken thing that I, that I've heard in baseball in a long time. And I know meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, so if you could just talk a little bit about like the impetus for that, and, and the passion behind it and, and, and really also since you said it, uh, you're thinking about where things are going to be going. Well,
1: it's, it's a lot to respond to. Um, let me just say this we love baseball players and people may roll their eyes with that And, and when we say when we make a comment like that, but we love what they're about, uh, we believe deeply in this game and what it teaches us um, we understand what baseball means to a baseball player okay so I mean, what I mean by that Rob is the hours of commitment it takes the sacrifice it takes mentally physically to develop your skills at a level to play high school baseball college baseball minor league baseball major league baseball play for 10 plus years that commitment is enormous and uh, I think about all the players since the time they were 12, 13, 14 years old that have sacrificed and to, to be a part of the 2020 draft, and then it's five rounds. And then those players that, after the 2017 draft, decided that they were going to go to college and uh, forego an opportunity for whatever reason, and there's many reasons that but- that the players decide that they're going to go to college versus entering the draft or signing. But those players were expecting, okay, this is my opportunity in 2020. That didn't happen for them either. My heart breaks for them. Those players that are in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and all throughout Latin America who know that their only opportunity really to ever provide for their family in a meaningful and significant way is through the game of baseball, and they're not getting the chance to play, they're not getting opportunities to play. Can you man? Can you imagine the mental torture, and anguish? A lot of those kids are going through. Kids in the Dominican Republic that play baseball. Uh, they're not the they're they're the kids that uh, don't have a lot of options. You know the wealthy kids and the highly educated kids in the Dominican, for the most part, those aren't those those aren't the ones playing. Mm-hmm. And and can you imagine this shutdown and what what they're thinking about and and how they're losing their opportunity? Because baseball, run fast, jump high, stronger than everybody else. That doesn't is that important of course, but it doesn't mean you're going to be successful in our game. Our game requires relentless focus and commitment on the fundamentals every single day it takes repetition repetition after repetition if you're going to be successful and we didn't get a chance to play and we're cutting opportunities for guys in the minor leagues and yes are the independent leagues going to to be more viable yeah i mean that that's going to happen are we going to try to do more in, in the college leagues sure we are but it's not the same when you're not affiliated with a major league team. I mean, there's a pride factor that goes with that. There's a sense of belonging. There's a hunger that that creates and, um, a sense of, uh, of just, you know, you've got the the power of a major league organization behind you as you're trying to develop. And so now I have great confidence that there'll be some aspects of this minor league contraction that, um, will be helpful in the future uh, and maybe we do get a chance to expand at the appropriate time. Uh, do I believe in the leadership of Major League Baseball? I do. Um, I, I know they're trying to do the right thing for the overall good of the industry, not only for now but but more in the future. and so I'm gonna I'm gonna support what we do, but I'm going to continue to to um, you know speak, uh, in terms of, of the importance of scouting and player development and opportunities for players. Because if you know what baseball really means to a baseball player, I don't know how you can consider round reduction. It, 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 it blows my mind on how we can consider minor league contraction, especially when you know what baseball means to those small towns and those communities in the Appalachian League. I grew up in those leagues, okay? I spent a lot of time in those leagues. I've been in, I've sat in homes all over the world where baseball's played. I've sat in rural America, urban America, suburban America, and that's, I I just, I have such a love and passion for this game. all do, but I just know how meaningful it is to, to families and communities, and um, I just don't want to see it missed for one summer, for one night, and certainly forever when you're talking about taking, you know, affiliated baseball out of these communities. But again, I'm going to trust in the plan of uh, of many people in this game, and uh, we're going to work like heck. Uh, to make sure the game continues to be strong and even more meaningful to players and families and communities in the future.
0: Well, uh, uh, Dayton, I want to go out and hit off a tee right now. I gotta be, <laughs> I'm ready to go. So it's good. It's good. I appreciate it.